Hi, everyone. This is Father Jim Churn, and you're listening to the Pope Benedict XVI School of Prayer podcast, where each week we're listening to the catechesis that were offered by the late Holy Father back in 2011 in his Wednesday audiences with the faithful, in which he was laying out the foundational principles of the life prayer. So this past week, we were reflecting on or listening to Abraham's intercession, the address that was given first on May 18th, 2011, where Pope Benedict talked about how Abraham was interceding on behalf of Sodom and Gomorrah to the Lord God, trying to spare them from the impending doom that was about to rain down on them. Um, so just in terms of some of my own reflections and thoughts, the one of my, my first thoughts that came back to mind was thinking back to my two brothers and I, how we we like to laugh now that we're all in our 50s and that when we were growing up, how often we like to see how far we could go before we, quote unquote, crossed the line. That line meaning where mom and or dad had had enough. We would maybe be upstairs, we'd be engaged in a variety of things of what you could, I don't know, characterize as rough housing. Um, Either it was our attempt at playing bumper cars with pillows that we had taken off of our beds, or as we would mimic the antics of the WWF wrestlers, as we got bolder and dumber and louder, uh, there might first be a yell from downstairs, but then as it escalated and the noise level upstairs got louder with my brothers and I, and it would start to get more and more out of hand. There would be a moment of silence where we could hear mom and or dad were en route and there would be punishments doled out. We had crossed the line. So I had that kind of quick flashback uh, just reflecting on this dialogue between Abraham and the Lord God that Pope Benedict XVI's catechesis was focused on in this week's study. I think so often that's the question, where is God's line? because we tend to think there has to be one. And that's, there's a, a point where he's going to have had enough with, with humanity, with us, with our antics. Um, there's going to be a, a point where the sinfulness is going to be just too much, and that's going to be the end. And I think so often we look back to this incident, the crimes of Sodom and Gomorrah, as evidence for that. Um, and so often that can kind of color our, our spiritual lives and even our examinations of conscience, that we have that mentality where we want to make sure that we clear the air, we got to get to confession, to get right with God so that we have our, our tickets set to get us out of town before the flames erupt, consuming all the, the, the sinful. Uh, and I think that often colors all those imaginations where you have those apocalyptic predictions that the end times are coming and people predicting like when the end day is coming or something along those lines. Yet I think that's one of the things that's so beautiful about this, this past week's teaching. The Holy Father beautifully shifts our perspective with this teaching about what is actually going on here. Where Sodom and Gomorrah shouldn't be about God's punishment, but rather about the lengths that he goes to try to save us. Because I think we often just go to the end of that particular chapter with the destruction of those, those two cities. But, and understandably, you know, that, that's a dramatic moment that characterizes the whole episode. But Pope Benedict is able to underline some aspects that show us the deeper elements of the story. 
and what they teach us about both God and about our prayer. First is the somewhat barter-like auctioneering of Abraham. Uh, Will you save the city if there's 50 innocent people? What about if there's 45? Do I hear 40? You hear Abraham seemingly negotiating or trying to see, again, where is that line? How low a number needs to remain for God to spare the city? But I'll be honest, it never occurred to me that even the opening offer is amazingly generous. The fact that these major cities with such huge populations filled with such depravity and arrogance could even be saved by the mere presence of a a handful of righteous ones in their midst. That's somewhat amazing. Think about it. One small enclave, one group of people that were just doing the right thing in God's eyes, probably while being mocked and derided and ignored by the rest of the population of that city, that one small group could have been enough to save all these others. In some ways, I see that as an important revelation for us about how our prayer can help other people. Sometimes you'll hear that phrase about intercessory prayer that praying for others is, quote unquote, standing in the gap. The idea is that we're we're offering ourselves the shield to protect someone else like on a spiritual battlefield. And so often when I'm talking with people who are distressed that maybe family members aren't practicing the faith anymore or they, they look at the fact that there are fewer people at mass on Sundays and you can sometimes hear that, that temptation to go along with them, to join them as we maybe allow other frustrations and disappointments to enter in and allow all of that to undermine our faith. This story of Abraham, though, reminds me that the faithfulness of a small group would have been enough to save an entire city. As it even gets lower and lower in number, where Abraham gets it all the way down to 10 people, which the Holy Father kind of also highlights that we don't know why the number doesn't go lower. Um, he gives that possibility that in Jewish understandings that you had to have at least 10 to form a, a quorum for, for prayer. But the, I think that the fact that it gets even that small just highlights the fact that even with that small of a number, that could have been enough to save the entire population. And again, it just points out the power and importance of our prayerfulness and our perseverance. Just because we don't see the results instantly doesn't mean that they're not without effect. The prayers that you and I are offering, our faithfulness might be the only ones that are being offered for that coworker or that neighbor or that family member. So that's lesson one that I'm taking from this catechesis by Pope Benedict on Abraham's intercession. A second foundational point is that so often our minds imagine that this is Abraham advocating on behalf of the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, trying to get God to change his mind. But one point that Pope Benedict made very beautifully and very profoundly, uh, he said, if we read the text more attentively, We realize that Abraham's request is even more pressing and more profound because he does not stop at asking for salvation for the innocent. Abraham asks for for forgiveness for the whole city 
and does so by appealing to God's justice. Indeed, he says to the Lord, will you then destroy this place and not spare it for the 50 righteous who are in it? In this way, he brings a new idea of justice into play, not the one that's limited to punishing the guilty as men do, but a different divine justice that seeks goodness and creates it through forgiveness that transforms the sinner, converts and saves him. In other words, Abraham isn't changing God's mind here. He's not even reminding God about who he is. Abraham's being led through prayer into a deeper awareness about what exactly is God's mercy. I think we sometimes have this thing in our heads that God would have to save the entire city if he found even 10 righteous people. But the Holy Father is reminding us that human justice would have been satisfied had he saved just the innocent. And he could have done that in any number of ways to, to do that. God's extravagant mercy, where the entire city could have been spared had just 10 been found, reveals that he's continually taking that risk of being taken advantage of, uh, of being used, ignored, uh, disrespected, uh, his, his love being presumed, all because he's ever hopeful that someone will repent, someone might have a change of heart, that the witness and the example and the testimony of the righteous ones might be able to win someone else over. And so in a way, all the insults and blasphemies that God suffers in the interim, he's willing to take that just on that hope of that one conversion. And for me, that kind of reminded me of what God the Father's Son, Jesus, will teach us in the Gospels, where he gives us the, the image of the good shepherd leaving the 99 in search of the one. Again, I don't think I ever saw that connection between the story of Sodom and Gomorrah and the good shepherd before, but that's one of these beautiful connections that just reflecting on Benedict's teaching here came to mind for me. And a final takeaway for me is not to lose sight of the fact that the proof of the power of goodness, even if it seems smaller and weaker than evil. Um, you know, when the Holy Father's talking about that, uh, one of the things I wrote <coughs> down in my notes was the name Father Michael Judge. Uh, for those of you who don't remember that name, on September 11th, 2001, when the, the terrorist attacks happened here in, in the United States, and particularly where I, I was stationed as a priest, which was 15 miles from the World Trade Center. All that death and destruction that devastated the lives, the families of those thousands of people that died, not to mention the worldwide impact that that evil had on, on people that still affects us to this very day. At this moment, I couldn't even tell you exactly how many hijackers were involved in that, let alone give you even one of their names. But Father Michael Judge, I remember, he was the quote-unquote first official casualty of September 11th. He was the FDNY fire chaplain, and he was working at the base of the, the World Trade Center, last seen given absolution to firefighters as they ran up 
the, the stairs and took the elevators into the World Trade Center towers trying to save people. Um, the, the, the story is told that, and it's actually captured on video, that he was hit by some debris and was killed instantly. And they carried his body from um, the World Trade Center site to a, a local church and just left him there until they could um, later claim his body and, you know, and just in the chaos after, in the aftermath of all that. But the fact that, like, we can remember a story like that or firefighter Stephen Siller, who was running from the battery, um, battery Park Tunnel all the way to the towers as he was just trying to help his, his fellow firefighters um, in, in that tragedy and then all that trauma that was happening. Or um, firefighter Palumbo, who had eight children... Uh, one of whom is a priest here in the Archdiocese of Newark. These, these men who all gave their lives trying to serve and help people in the moment of crisis, those names are memorable to us more so than those who caused the evil. These were human examples of the Holy Father's, quote, proof of the power of goodness, even if it seems smaller and weaker than evil. Uh, as he continues on saying, the f- forgiveness interrupts the spiral of sin and that the smaller the number of people that would have been required for them to be spared, for Sodom and Gomorrah to be spared, shows the greater God's mercy is shown to be. So I hope that this was as uh, illuminating for all of you as it was for even me re- re-reading. <laughs> as I said, I've probably read this this chapter numerous times already because it's so awesome just to see how a scripture that is so often misunderstood can contain so much beauty and wisdom uh, about who God is and the importance of prayer. As the Holy Father kind of was wrapping up towards the end of that that address, uh, Abraham's prayer revealed the saving will of God. The Lord was prepared to forgive and wanted to forgive, but the cities were locked into a total, totalizing and paralyzing evil without even a few innocents from whom to start in order to turn evil into good. It's not punishment that must be eliminated, but sin, the rejection of God and of love, which already bears the punishment in itself. So those are just some of my, my thoughts, reflections, and some of my ramblings about um, the Holy Father's catechesis on Abraham's intercession for Sodom and Gomorrah. Thanks so much for for being with us each week. Uh, I appreciate all those who are joining our Facebook group, uh, people who are sharing this podcast. Um, Next week, the Holy Father will continue his catechesis by covering another chapter in the the book of Genesis where he he talks about Jacob struggling with God and... um, actually wrestling with God. So uh, I'm looking forward to, sh- to reflecting on that with you as well. Uh, have a great week and thanks so much. God bless you.